Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, guys, and welcome back to Note to Self with Peyton Sarton. That is me. I'm Peyton Sarton. Y'all, I'm recording this on a Wednesday morning, and the podcast goes live on Thursday. Could not be more last minute. I have friends that record their podcast like four weeks out. Like they know what they're going to post for four fucking weeks. And I... <laughs> I tried to record this episode last night and I was just absolutely exhausted and like even more delirious than last episode. I was like, okay, I have to stop and just do it and hope that my editor, James, my savior can edit it in time. <laughs> so th if this is coming a little bit late in, in the day on Thursday, just know that's why. All right. She's doing her best. She's really doing her best. She's trying not to lose her mind. All right. So some updates real quick. Last weekend, I spent the weekend with Revolve in Los Angeles. I had the best time, standard LA stuff. The sun was shining. It was absolutely beautiful outside. I realized I really like staying in West Hollywood, especially in that sunset area. When I visit, when I lived there, I tried my best to never go there. It is so weird. Like, I feel like that's like the most LA place you can be. And I was there for six years and I avoided it like the freaking plague. Like I couldn't stay far enough away from sunset. But yeah, when I visit now, I'm like, wow, I feel super LA. We stay at the Andas whenever I work with Revolve. So you can actually overlook like the whole city and like kind of overlook sunset if you face like the city part. It was beautiful. I was sad to not have Joe with me this time, but I had my friend Josie join me. She just, she lives in LA, so she just drove over and we just had a really great week celebrating the launch of Revolve's well-being and being well collection. I will say one thing about that collection. I found my favorite sports bra ever and it was good for like the workout that we did and it was pretty supportive, but not even for that reason is, you know, why I love it. It's because it's like the perfect sports bra for layering in cute outfits. Like if you're doing athleisure or something, I find myself kind of wanting like a sports bra to put under a bomber or like some other kind of jacket, like a hoodie or whatever it is. This one is literally flawless. It pulled my boobs. My boobs are pretty heavy. It pulled them up and held them up. So they weren't like, you know, sinking down at all. I'm very impressed. And they make the sports bra in a few different colors, but I feel like if you are going to buy something from that collection, definitely get the black sports bra. And I got a size small. I'll put a link for that in my show notes just because I feel like I need to give it a little bit of a shout out because I haven't really put on a black sports bra before and been like, wow, this is the one. So wanted to note that LA was great. I've been in Dallas this week. I got back home on Sunday and just got my stuff done. Of course, Joe 
is in Florida for spring training right now. So he moved away from me again. So I feel like we're back doing long distance again. And I can see why people are like stressed about long distance. Cause I feel like if you've always lived in the same city and together, I can see how like the long distance is just a huge change. But I think, you know, we only lived together for about four months and, or maybe even less maybe three months, eh, four months and almost four months. And, um, but we were long distance for a year and a half. So it feels like, you know, when he left, I was definitely really sad because I love being around him and touching him all day. Like I just stare at him all day. Like it's actually disgusting. Like sometimes he will be watching television. This is what I do every night. (laughs) We watch television. We watch some kind of show and then I watch him watch the show. And I call that watching my favorite show because I can't stop looking at him and I want to watch him react to everything happening in the show. (laughs) What the fuck has happened to me? So anyways, I was obviously going to miss that watching my favorite show every night, but pretty quickly after he left, though I was a little bit sad, we kind of went back to our normal ways because of course a year and a half of long distance kind of set a precedent. And I feel like we just fell back into our same routine. I'm working all fucking day, every fucking day. There's no one here to stop me or to be like, hey, do you want to watch a TV show? Or, hey, should we go eat dinner? You know, like I'm just here alone in my apartment, kind of in silence, unless I'm listening to a murder podcast all day and just running around until, you know, 1, 2 a.m. So I'm back to my grind. <laughs> not, I'm not saying that's the healthiest way to be, but that's just like my natural inclination. And... I don't know. We just talk every evening like we used to, and it just quickly turned to that. But I am excited to see him. I'm going to Palm Beach this weekend, and I'm going to go on on Sunday, actually, So because I kind of wanted to do like a little bit of a weekend with friends in Dallas, because I feel like I haven't gotten to connect with some of my friends in a little bit. So I'm going to do a chill weekend in Dallas and then go see him on Sunday. And of course, when I go to his spring training, he does have to go to training all day. So he'll be doing that. I'm going to work and go around Palm beach. So make sure you guys are following me on Instagram because I'm going to share more about my favorite things to do in Palm beach. It is so chic and just like expensive as fuck. Okay. I tried to find a hotel because right now they have Joe by like near his field time kind of area. And they have him in like one of those just like kind of resident hotels where it's like a little suite kind of, but it reminds me of where my dad's lies for the commercial airlines. So it's like a place that he would stay. So Joe's like one, it is dingy as fuck. (laughs) And I saw the hotel room and I was like, I'm not, I can't stay there because I have to work and take photos of stuff. And like, there's zero light in there. So I'm going to stay in a different hotel. So I was looking at the prices for various hotels, especially on the Palm beach Island area. And then downtown West Palm Y'all expensive as fuck. And that's how, you know, it's super clean and chic and pretty there, which it is. I can confirm. So I'm going to be taking photos, me and my tripod versus West Palm beach. It's going to be happening. And I'm going to try to go to the beach and stuff like that. Cause I haven't been to Florida in a hot second and I kind of miss it. I know I kind of talk shit on Florida a lot of the time, but for those of you who don't know, I actually was born there. My dad was stationed in Panama City, Florida when I was born. So we lived between there and Destin, Florida for eight years of my life. I'm just moving back and forth. So to various air bases because my dad was a fighter pilot. So anyways, I grew up watching my dad 
fly and stuff over the bay in that area of Florida. And I don't know, it just reminds me of home. So very different area of Florida, but it still feels similar. Like the humidity is there, feels a little tropical. And of course it has the same good old Florida vibe (laughs) that we all know and love. (laughs) And I low-key love it so much, like really. So I'm really excited to go this weekend. And that's my life update. I'll stop talking about that now because I feel like I don't want to launch into a 15-minute life update. But speaking of Joe, today we're going to talk about how to be the best partner that you can be. Uh, You know, we love optimizing around here, but we'll also talk about that in a second too. I put out a while ago my How to Live Your Best Single Life episode, and that is by far the best episode I've ever put out in terms of numbers wise. And I will say I get DMs about that episode every single day of women being like, thank God you put this perspective in front of me because I think it's a really important subject to me. So I wanted to do something similar to that because I feel like I did something for the single girls and now I'd really like to touch on some stuff for people in relationships. And I think the way that I live my single life, by the way, is the reason why I have a great relationship right now. And, you know, it's not perfect. Everyone has their their faults and, you know, we have our arguments about things, but I feel like I'm just in a really solid, good relationship and I wouldn't be, you know, I prefer to be alone. So like any chance I get, if someone's going to get, make me stressed out and make it not worth it, I am ready to bolt. (laughs) I just love doing everything by myself. (laughs) So that's how I know it's a really good relationship because I'm obsessed with him. Obsessed. I've never experienced this in my entire life. I met Joe when I was 26. and That's the first time I actually really respected someone and enjoyed their company and wanted to have sex with them. It was a very odd experience. So let's talk about real quick, my perspective, the perspective I'm coming from and mine and Joe's relationship for a second. So, you know, like where I'm coming from, because I don't want to sit up here and say that I am the pro of relationships. Joe and I have been dating for just under two years. And I think we've been really intentional about the relationship and everything. That being said, I'm not going to know something or things about relationships, the same as people who have been in relationships for six years or 10 years or whatever it is. So I can only come from my own perspective and give the best kind of advice and insight from my own perspective. And because of that, I actually asked you guys on social media to provide me with your best relationship tips, because I know people who follow me and some of my friends who actually answered in the tips box are in completely different points of relationships. Some of them are, you know, single who have just gotten out of relationships. Some of them are engaged or married, or some of them are married with children. Like there's just so many different ways. I also have a friend who's recently getting divorced. So I feel like there's so many perspectives at this point in my life at 28, where my friends are a little older and a little younger. There's just so many different things happening with the relationships right now around me. And I'm kind of like in the middle ground, you know, just in a serious relationship, no, not engaged or anything like that quite yet, though we do talk about that and like kind of timing wise, like how that would work out. Definitely. We see it going there, but of course I'm not in a rush right now. I definitely, I say this all the time, but I told you I want to live with him for at least a year before we like make any decisions about spending the rest of our lives together. Like I need to see what he's like in all the, all the situations, you know? So for some background, I never really saw myself in a committed relationship. I don't know. I I just couldn't, I hadn't really had one up to this point. I dated guys when I was younger. I had some short relationships that weren't, didn't really feel like relationships now that I'm actually in one. They kind of felt more forced and just not full of like love or transparency. And a lot of the times not full of sex. I feel like 
there's been times that I've been in a relationship where I really loved and respected a person, but like absolutely did not want to have sex with them. <laughs> My friends are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, I just love them. They're just so great. Like they'd be, I, I want to have them in my life, but like, we probably didn't need to be boyfriend, girlfriend. So those relationships, I mean, they didn't last very long and I don't really count them because it wasn't a real relationship. I will say they were long enough for me to realize, okay, this is what I want for sure. And this is what I don't want for sure. Like the first guy I ever dated, like actually was the reason I never messed with a fuck boy ever, 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 ever again. And that's because he was such an amazing guy and like the leader of men, like literally the man. Okay. Guys respected him so much and he did not have a single bad bone in his body. He was actually maybe one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Turns out I wasn't like crazy physical, physically attracted to him. It wasn't the right timing. I was, you know, 19 or so when I met him, but I'm really thankful for that because once I dated him, I was like, oh shit, like I'm this is what a man acts like. Right. And it put me on the right path. And I think that was a really important, you know, quote relationship for me. And then I had a relationship a few years later that was very short that, um, we were like besties. We got along so well, we could have been great roommates, but the sexual chemistry just like absolutely wasn't there. And I was totally lying to myself because I really respected this guy. And so I noticed like, okay, I want the respect and the love, but I don't want what's happening here <laughs> sexually. <laughs> so because of that, I mean, I got out of that relationship when I was 24. And again, that was a very quick relationship. So because of that, I kind of at 24 was like, I mean, the whole time I really couldn't see myself in a relationship. None of it came natural to me. And there weren't many people that I met that I was like, okay, like you're everything until I met Joe. I didn't have anyone, like I said, that I really respected and wanted to bang. So for that reason, I was like, maybe I'll just be by myself forever. And I spoke about this in my single life episode. I'm not even saying that I'm like, oh no, I'll be alone forever. I kind of was like, oh, I could be by myself forever. Like that actually isn't the scariest thing. So I kind of was just comfortable with that. And I think for that reason, because I never saw myself in a relationship, I never, I kind of, I don't know how to say this, but it's not that I'm not a good partner. I think I am a good partner, but I don't think it comes naturally to me. I think it might be the way that I was raised, maybe the way my family works, but I feel like I just didn't really know what a great partner looks like and what a partner looks like that's kind of on, y'all are on the same team and like super in love. So I just never really even like thought about it. I didn't see myself in that situation. I didn't really see that many other people in that situation. So I just, I don't know, never pictured it. So I think for me, you know, one thing about me is that I'm always down for optimization. If there's a list to be made, I'm going to make it. So I started like noticing things that good partners do, especially learning a lot from Joe and my current relationship and like really having to actively notice those things. And then like note them down, like literally write them down because I'm going to make a list. I am type A as fuck. I was the kid in school who like showed up to school with a pink pencil cup thing with filled with pens. And I would like sit down at my desk and like literally first grade and like cross my legs and put my little pencil cup on my desk. And I had like a, a pen with like a flower on it. <laughs> the most fucking extra. I also planned out my day in two minute increments. So like literally on post notes, if you guys ever watched even Stevens, Ren had this calendar that was post-it notes. I had that, but the post-it notes were like three or four thick every single day. And I had a little checkbox and it would be like, 8 a.m. to 8.02. 
make bed. 802 to 804, brush teeth. I would I would schedule in bathroom time. I would account for the time that it would take me to walk downstairs to make breakfast. That had to be included in my breakfast time. Obviously, transportation time is included in the schedule. So one thing about me is I'm just going to make the list, right? So I wanted to make this this episode kind of about things that I've learned and actively noticed and then things that, you know, have been shared with me. That's kind of a long intro, but I wanted to say that also, if you guys want to know how Joe and I met, we did a whole story about that in episode three, but I don't think either of us were really looking to get into a relationship. I feel like we weren't opposed to it. I feel like we just, either of us just weren't like, oh, what's going to happen? Like this is going down. Like I am getting into a relationship. We, we weren't like slotting each other into a role. I don't think, which is also why it's worked out pretty well. So I wanted to come from that perspective because I'm just not a crazy romantic. I feel like I'm a very realistic person. And that's what this episode is like being born out of is just being hyper realistic and trying to have like a more logical discussion about relationships because romance, you know, now that I'm with Joe, I'm so head over heels in love. I'm fucking obsessed with him. Again, I watch him watch TV all. I literally, <laughs> I do that or I put my cheek on his cheek and I just sit there because I need to like breathe his skin (laughs) into my nose. (laughs) I just, I can't get enough of it. But on the other hand, you know, long-term relationships, relationships, you want to have longevity of I'm obviously noticing like past the romance and everything like that, which is important to include. I think over time, I will say I watch my grandparents who are the sweetest, cutest people on the planet and they're complete opposite people, but they are so in love with each other still. And they aren't like crazy mushy gushy, but they're just highly realistic people. And they've been through a lot together and they just really enjoy each other's company at the end of the day. And I think that that's important. And there's also times when like you can logistically be a better partner. It's not all about feelings. It's, you know, about longevity and relationships and being a partner, you know, is a, is about, being a good teammate in certain ways, which isn't as romantic, but I think it's equally as important if you're going to last like your entire fucking life and like, you know, possibly have kids together, share money. Like that's not romantic stuff sometimes. So for that reason, I like to also look at it from a logical perspective. So we're just going to chat about some different perspectives. I asked Joe for research, obviously what he thinks I do well as a partner. And then I have some things that I've noticed that Joe does well, that I'm trying to also incorporate into my own life as his partner. And then I also, um, I'm going to just list off some tips that I've learned and also discuss your advice. I think a lot of it, some of it's going to be overlap, but then some of you guys did have some things to say that I thought were really, really interesting. And then there's a couple questions. Some people wrote in to ask like relationship advice. That's going to be more of my hot take. I I'll do like two or three of those just at random. I haven't read any of them yet, but yeah, I'll do two or three of those and just give you a hot take. I'm not going to think about it too much. So just understand that when we're going into the questions. So Let's start off with what I think Joe does really well and what I'm trying to incorporate into my own life as his partner and what he's taught me, because I think this is really important coming from the female perspective, just knowing my friends and the people that are in my life. When I talk to them about this, they're like, oh shit, like my boyfriend taught me that too. So, okay. So the first thing Joe does incredibly well is he listens. And this sounds really simple on the surface because like it's just, you imagine Joe just sitting there with a sweet little face listening to me. But what he does when I say listens, he actively obviously listens in the moment. And then 
over the course of time, I would say, you know, the next day and then the next week and then throughout the next months, he actively shows that he was listening and taking into account what I was saying and then acting on it. So a good example of this is when I told him my love languages, we kind of did the little love language test. I made him take it. And I told him that my love languages are quality time and acts of service. And he's known that from basically the very beginning. So he really took that into account. He brings it up all the time. He's like, well, your love language is quality time. So yeah. Or your, oh, your love language is acts of service. So yeah. But he actively does things to show me that he really considers that and thinks it's important. So for me, especially when we were long distance and now that we're back kind of to long distance mode, I am such a quality time person beyond. And it's always how I've received love from people. And it's always how I've attempted to show my love. So with Joe, he likes quality time, but that's not his number one. I think he's, he's physical touch and words of affirmation and acts of service, I believe. So for him, he knew that being on FaceTime every night was important to me because it was the way I spent quality time with him. Even if I couldn't pinpoint that I like always wanted to FaceTime and he was like, well, yeah, you're, you like quality time. So he would stay up on FaceTime with me for hours like way too late. He'd be on the East coast. I'd be on the West coast. It was late for me. So I know it was super late for him. And he would just stay up with me talking about nothing (laughs) for hours because he knew how much I appreciated that. And he acted on it all the time. And then acts of service as well. I would say weekly, you know, when we were living apart, he would send me via Postmates, my favorite dinner, whether it be like sushi or zinc le bowl, obviously. He would always find something to send me and kind of do me that favor because he knew I was working really late and I was working really hard and he just wanted to take care of me and show me that he was, you know, actively doing that. And he did that because I, I like acts of service. So he's always doing things like that. The love language one is a good example, but if I don't like something, if I do like something, he tries to either not incorporate or incorporate that into my life. And he brings up things that I say to him or points that I make to him all the time in conversation. So I know he's listening and he's like, actively ruminating on things and trying to implement change in my life and his life based on the things that I just like say for that reason, I do have to be careful about what I say sometimes, because like if I said something flippantly or if I was like, I don't like this or like, I don't like your hair like this. He genuinely takes it to heart and like really, really cares about the fact that I just said that. So I have to be really careful about what I say because he listens almost too well. So I'm now like not sharing some opinions that I have that I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to make him sad. And he takes it so seriously. So it's a really great thing that he does (laughs) that I also have to learn to not take advantage of at this point, to be honest. Another thing that he does really well. And that that some of you guys said in your advice thing is he always asks for space. Let's say we're in an argument. He always asks for space if he's feeling emotional or upset. And I know with my girlfriends, we talk about this, like it's always like, And my girlfriends are fiery. I don't think this is just like a woman thing, but we're very fiery. We're very independent. It's most of my friends that I met when I was in LA. Everyone's doing their own business ventures. Everyone's really in charge of their own lives. So we know what the fuck we want and we're very fiery people. So across the board, when I talk to my friends about arguments with their significant other, they're like, yeah, I literally just like yell at him and he's sitting there so calm and like clams up almost like doesn't know what to do or say. 
And to the point where like it makes us, and I know for me and my perspective, sometimes it makes me more frustrated. I'm like, literally just fucking say anything. Like you can open your mouth and speak like anything that's going through your mind. Just like say it. He's like, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm like, just fucking say something. Say the sky is blue. I don't care. Just words out of your mouth. Let's do it. And what I noticed also across the board, maybe it's just that these type of, you know, women, like my type of person, me, I, I attract a certain type of guy you know, obviously it's not someone else who's fiery like that. Um, he told me once when I was telling him, like, can you just talk? Like, let's, let's hash this out right now. This argument that we're having, he was like, I don't want to say something that I regret. So I just don't want to say anything at all. And, you know, I looked at him when he said that to me and I'm like, okay, now I feel fucking stupid, obviously. Like clearly that's the best way to go about doing this, but it's just not my natural inclination. I kind of want to like fix things right now. I don't think that I have an anxious attachment style. I think I might have hints of it, but I don't really think that I do, but I can tell maybe if you do have an anxious attachment style, I know my friends who do have this and they can pinpoint it. They're like, I just want to get the argument out and finished right now. I want to like talk about it right now because it's up, you know, on the chopping block right now, let's do it. And that's not always the best way to go about things. I feel like it's less me having an anxious attachment style and more me just wanting to like get it over with. Like, let's talk about it now. Let's hash it out. Let's get it over with. And Joe has taught me, you know, that's not always the best way. I'm always in a hurry. I always want to do things quickly and efficiently. And sometimes like with emotions, you can't do things efficiently. You need to take the time to take a mental break decompress, become a little less emotional or upset about something, and then talk about it logically with respect for your partner. This is all very obvious. This is something I had to learn in a relationship because I just never saw that in my life. <laughs> just It's just the way that people I've been around my entire life. Not exactly logical, lots of emotions going on. So I Noting that with Joe and showing respect to him in that way, even if I'm really upset, has been a huge thing for me. And it's been a really helpful for our relationship as a whole, you know? But it's funny though, because I like if he wasn't reacting to things or wasn't like engaging with me in arguments, if I'm emotional about something, I was like, it just sounds like you don't care, right? Like you're writing me off. And he's like, no, I care. I just I don't want to have this conversation if I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret or that's going to be disrespectful to you. And I'm over here like, you suck. <laughs> He's just so sweet. And so I really want to incorporate more of that into my life. It's just super easy to get upset about things, especially when they're so close to the heart. I mean, relationships are scary and they're difficult. And with us just moving in together too, we faced a whole new set of, I don't want to say problems, but just like situations we've never been in. And some of them were great and we killed it. And some of them were like, oh shit, like we've talked about this and really discussed. So, you know, there's a lot going on in every relationship. And I think that taking a step back when you're emotional and thinking about it a little more logically is a wonderful thing. All right. So obviously for research, I asked Joe what he thinks I do well as a partner. And this is also something I do every single day. <laughs> make him say nice things to me. I made it a temporary rule when he lived here that I couldn't leave the house until he said something nice to me. And so if I was in a hurry, I'd be like, say something nice, say something nice. I'm like running towards the door. <laughs> and some of the things weren't allowed. Like if he's like, you're pretty today. I'm like, that's not nice enough. And also you already said that yesterday. <laughs> Poor Joe. 
So anyways, all jokes aside, I asked him what he thinks that I do well. And I thought that these were interesting answers because it's obviously coming from the male perspective. And if you're a woman who's dating a man or who dates men, or if you're a man who dates men, you might have a little better insight if you're a man who dates men. But anyways, I can't speculate. I'm not really sure. That was a a guess, if you will. But this is just coming from a male perspective, which I really wanted to include. And also I will take any chance to ask Joe to give me compliments. So, and to ask Joe, it's almost like a, I'm asking him for my, what's it called when you are in work and like they give you like um, an audit on like how well you're doing? Oh, a performance review? <laughs> I love a good performance review. I want to know what's going on, what's going well, what's going poorly, both in the relationship and day-to-day life, in the bedroom, everything. I need to know the information and you need to make it very obvious to me. So I was happy that Joe wrote these all out and relatively quickly, by the way, just saying. So he said, number one, you do a good job of communicating while also getting me to communicate when I usually wouldn't. So that's number one. It kind of goes along with the fact that I'm basically getting him to communicate when he normally wouldn't. And he's usually getting me to shut my mouth and stop talking when I'm emotional when I normally wouldn't. It's a push and a pull, you know? Okay. Number two, he said, when I'm frustrated with work, you give me cushion, a cushion of space to vent and be frustrated. So, you know, a lot of the times I think your partner has things going on in their life. Joe has a pretty stressful job. And so when he's pitching and he's on the mound, obviously not only the game is at line for himself and his teammates, but you know, his stats need to be a certain place so he can get paid a certain amount of money the next year or stay in the major leagues, you know, the next year, his performance is incredibly important and starting pitchers, his position, they pitch once every five games. So probably once a week, they play a lot, they play games like every day, but when he goes up there, he loves it. He enjoys his job. He loves competing, but it is, you know, stress on the body physically when you're throwing a ball that hard and you can only throw so much because it is so hard on your, on your body. It's mentally pretty taxing. So when you have a bad game, it's just really fucking stressful, especially because he's been doing this since he was five to get to the level he's at. He's you know, opted out of so many normal people things, normal life things, just for that time he can get on the mound. So when he's stressed about it, or if he plays, you know, to what he thinks is poorly, I always give him space for that. And he asks for it so kindly. I think that's part of the reason why I'm so happy to give it to him is I truly understand, like, I don't understand exactly the pressure he's going through, but I can like think about that in my mind and be like, oh fuck, like I would need space too, probably if I'm frustrated and you know, what am I going to do to help him with work? Like that's a whole different sector of his life. That's totally his. So I don't really have a choice, but to give him space. But I do want to say if your partner is like this, I think a huge part of you feeling comfortable with this and you feel you not feeling like kind of abandoned sometimes is the fact that they ask respectfully. Like, so Joe will be like, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling so well today. I obviously had like a bad game or something or whatever it is. He's not proud of how he did. Do you mind if we don't FaceTime tonight? This is obviously when we were long distance. So we'd FaceTime every night and he was like, well, do you mind if we just don't? I feel like I want to kind of decompress and just go to sleep because I'm not feeling well. And he was so sweet and not angry or taking anything out on me ever. So that's actually something Joe never does is take something out on me, which is the sweetest thing ever. I'm so lucky for that. It should be normal, but I feel like it's not normal with people in general. But anyways, he doesn't take anything out on me when it comes to that. And the way he acts is so respectful. So I feel like if you're someone whose partner needs this, 
definitely give it to them. I think men really respect this. I think women respect it too. I feel like when I'm in a bad place, if I'm in a really, really bad place, I want space. But if I'm just like feeling upset about something or whatever, I want Joe to be there. So it's kind of like the opposite of what I would want in this kind of situation. Anyways, so I do listen to him. I give him what he wants, I think, too, is a good thing. But yeah, giving space, always great. Number three, you also try to learn and understand my job when sometimes even I don't have all the answers for your questions. I think this is a huge thing with anyone and especially with men. I feel like amping up their job, especially if they spend a lot of time at it and if they're really passionate about it, like this is the easiest way for them to feel close to you and to feel supported is to really be curious about their job. And of course with Joe, I want to know every thought that goes through his mind, everything he does all day, everything he eats. I need to know everything about this man because I'm obsessed with him. So it's only natural that I ask a gazillion questions about his job. Also his job and what's going on in the timeline and stuff have complete control over where I'm going to be living for the next year or a couple years, you know, as he's playing baseball and stuff like that, hopefully as long as possible. But his job controls where we live most of the time and my schedule and what we're allowed to do and if we're allowed to go on trips and stuff. So I've got a lot of fucking questions about that. I want to be really clear because now it's affecting me. <laughs> so I'm doing it, you know, initially it was for him. Now it's for me too that we live together. But being curious, asking a lot of questions about work, asking about coworkers, like I'm constantly asking about his teammates and their families. I'm getting updates every single day when he comes back from work. I think that's a really easy way to, even if you aren't genuinely curious, let's say you've been together for a gazillion years and like, I don't fucking care anymore. I feel like it's just so easy to ask that question and sit there and listen so that they feel important. And I think slowly you become more curious, you know, but I think it's also easy to say, I think Joe has a pretty interesting job and kind of unique job. So it's pretty easy to be curious about it, but I'm just noticing that's a really big part of our relationship. And he's very curious about my job as well, which I really appreciate. Number four, he says, I know that I can trust you and I don't need to be so hesitant. I think in the past for him and a lot of us feel this way, it's like, you don't want to be taken advantage of in whatever way there is. So sometimes I think for athletes, they feel like it's possible they can be taken advantage of with money. So I think they're always just kind of on the lookout for that. Joe said he didn't really like expect it, but he knew it existed. So he kind of just always had it in the back of his mind when dating. And there were some people that came into his life, not seriously, but kind of just like that he you know, might've been a little bit interested in or something. And they kind of showed their cards early and he could tell immediately Joe is pretty smart. So when I come, when I think about trust, um, and relationships, I do think about obviously cheating, right? We both think, you know, the other one's not going to cheat most likely. That's why we're together. We trust each other, but trust goes so much further and, you know, trusting that he has my best interest in mind and that I have his in mind, or also trusting that we're not trying to take advantage in any situation of each other. We're not weird about each other's jobs. We don't bring it up almost like it is positive for us. I mean, obviously we talk about it a lot and we appreciate each other's jobs, but never, I think, have I been a person, even though I do think the man should pay for everything, that's just what I like. It's not really, you know, up for debate. It's That's what I prefer. I've never been using him for stuff. Um, I'm always very active and ready to pay for things, to buy him things. Like I try to show him that I care fiscally as much as possible and that I'm in this with him too, and that we're partners and it's not him taking care of me. Like I pay, you know, a portion of rent and all that stuff as well. And I think doing that and going out of my way to buy him a meal or buy him coffee in the midst of him, you know, 
giving me so much and being so generous all the time really showed him that, you know, I, I'm not here to take advantage of him and I don't expect him all the time to pay for things. And I'm happy to provide him and be the provider as well when the time, you know, comes for that, but he's super generous. So I think he just really was looking for someone who he knew absolutely hundred percent was not taking advantage of him in that way which I appreciate. I'm glad I knew that was important to him from the start. Um, it's important to me as well. And I'm glad that when I ask him at like face value, what do I do well as a partner? That's like one of the first things he thinks of. He says, number five, although you're very busy and overrun by clothing, you keep up and keep a clean space at our home for us both. Also very important, a, a huge sign of respect. And I'm glad that he notices that I try my best, but y'all there's clothes and products everywhere. I can't wait to move into the house because I think it's going to be, we're going to have so much extra space. Like I have a full wing downstairs of like my office and a guest suite that I'm using. And then we have an extra guest bedroom that we won't be using. We have like two guest bedrooms upstairs. And one of them is kind of going to be a little bit of a storage unit because we're obviously not going to fill that house with furniture immediately. Like furniture is expensive. So that's a little storage unit. So now the house is going to look immaculate because I can just throw all my shit in places he'll never be and then just close the door. But I like that he said that too, because I do try my best. And Joe is the cleanest fucking, he cooks, he cleans, he makes, you know, the majority of the income. He's killing it. He's also the sweetest one of each of us. I'm like, why am I even here? <laughs> What's going on? So I'm glad he thinks that I'm also doing that. He says, you make a mean bed to go along with that. I do make the bed every morning and Joe makes eggs and I make the bed and that's our little morning routine. He said since he's been away or we've been away from each other, he hasn't been making his bed and it feels weird because he's used to me doing it, but he has not gone the extra mile to do it himself yet. He hasn't relearned how to make the bed. Actually, I have learned how to make eggs. You know, he's replaceable. <laughs> I learned his job pretty quickly, but he cannot make a bed. So I'm irreplaceable in this situation. And lastly, he said, you do a good job of including me in your life and making me feel important. This is a super easy one, obviously, but I do like to show them off on social media, even though obviously social media is in part my personal life. It mostly is my job. So I did wait a little while to share him just because I wanted to make sure he was a permanent fixture. I waited about, oh God, we were dating for like almost eight months before I showed him on social media. I did my little soft launch in which 14,000 people saw that story and he got like 44,000 clicks on his name because people were so shook. <laughs> That's how single I was before I met Joe guys. Like I was not about being in relationship at all. I was miss independent girl. So I think that's one small way that I show him off and like I, I let him be visually a part of my life and something that's so important to me, which is work. And it's very permanent. Another thing that I do is I invite him obviously everywhere with all of my friends. I want him to be friends with all of my friends and all of their boyfriends. And I actively try to make that a point. I also was huge into getting him integrated with my family. So he's like in my family group texts and stuff. Like he's very much a part and I want to make him feel like a fixture in my life. And like, we're really in this and we're really doing this because that's important to me to feel that way too. So I like to make sure he's as involved in my social life, in my work life, in my family life as possible, because I know he appreciates that. And I think that that's kind of across the board. People want to be involved and feel like they're irreplaceable for you, which is something I've definitely learned through Joe. So those are some of the things that, you know, Joe does. And that I do that I've noticed firsthand from my relationship. And then 
I do have some extra tips that I have just jotted down and learned, especially as of late. Like these are things that you know kind of cognitively already and or naturally as already, but also there are things that I had to actively like note in my brain and be like, stop doing this and start doing this other thing, you know? So some of these tips were born from arguments or just like ways I could have handled things better or just things I've picked up along the way. So my number one thing and one that many of you guys said is understand that we're on the same team and lead with love. So someone commented in the little um, advice box when I asked you guys your best relationship advice, someone said, understand that it's not you versus him or him versus you, but it's you two together versus the problem. And I think this is a good way to just frame it in your mind. I have to remember, like, if I'm upset about something, if I'm angry about something, I remember, okay, I love this person. It's not me versus him. And it puts you in less of a defensive mode, number one, and it makes you obviously less aggressive for that reason. So for me, it's just actively noticing if I have a problem with something or if I'm upset about something, not to be so upset at him, but to be more clear about what I want and what I don't like necessarily and be very specific. Obviously, if problems persist, that's when you kind of start being like, okay, is it really him though? (laughs) Because what the fuck? Um, He's not really leading with love actively all the time. Um, I also want to note a lot of these, this advice is coming from a place of if you're in a relationship that is not a toxic relationship, I feel like toxic relationships with incredibly toxic people can feel different. So like handling those things is different than just being like, oh, lead with love, you know, like if someone's toxic or abusive in some way, like, please, please, please please get yourself out of the situation in the safest way you possibly can for your mental health, for your physical health, all those things. That is absolutely not what I'm discussing today. And I don't want y'all to, you know, think that I'm sitting here being like, eh, rainbows. And, you know, I'm more talking about a relationship that is pretty healthy and um, where two people are, you know, actively wanting to be together. There's no, you know, there's no real aggression or crazy manipulation. And if you're in that situation, I am so, so, so sorry. I'm going to put some resources just because I mentioned it. I'll put some resources in the show notes about, you know, help with that kind of thing. So if that applies to you, please take a look at the show notes and I love you forever and ever and ever. And I only want the best for you. So another thing that I've noticed is very helpful is as we we discussed, trust is really important. And that includes trusting that they have your best interest at heart. Because if you know this person, if you love this person, if you're being real with yourself, do they have your best interest at heart? And if you do know this, even if they're upset with you or whatever it is, or you're upset with them, I think that kind of trust goes a long way. And it kind of makes it easier to lead with love and kind of understand that you're on the same team. You know, it's it's an easy kind of way to frame that in your mind. Uh, Another tip, as we discussed earlier, take time away from a problem or the person if you're feeling emotional. Again, I know this can be kind of a little bit more difficult if you have more of an anxious attachment style. You kind of want to get it done now and are afraid to take space. And I know that's pretty common. But for me, I have to just really be real with myself. And I know that I'm not going anywhere. I also know rationally, like, Joe's probably not going anywhere. And if he does, like, at the end of the day, I will be okay because I have me and I'm all good with me, which is one, which is something I learned in my many, many years of being single, which helps me with my attachment style, obviously. 
But even then I can kind of be like, oh no, I want to fix it right now. Or, oh no, let's talk about it even more. Let's over talk about it and over communicate. I think it's important to take time away from a problem um, if you're feeling emotional about that problem. And you can always revisit the problem later when you're going to be more respectful, more level-headed, more logical, because we all get in a situation like that sometimes. One thing I've also learned is to communicate who you are, your reactions, the way you think about things. I, again, I over communicate. I probably can communicate a little bit less, but I'll tell Joe, you know, like these are the things that make me anxious. Like if this happens, I don't like surprises. For example, if a surprise happens, like I'm going to be mentally having a breakdown inside. Like I've learned how to like cover it up on the outside, but I can't breathe when surprises are happening. I don't know why I wish I enjoyed them. They look really fun, but it's just not my thing. So I tell him that, Hey, I don't like surprises. And if I am surprised, cause and for that reason, he doesn't necessarily really surprise me, which is great. He listened to that. But if I ever am, if there's ever a surprise in my life, and I'm talking about anything like a surprise social interaction, I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. He, because I've communicated that to him, he knows what I'm feeling inside <laughs> and he can then help me in my life. Anxiety wise, same thing. If I know that I'm leaning towards having more of a panic attack, or if I know what roads lead me to a panic attack, I communicate that to him. Similar with depression. Obviously Joe has essentially no mental health problems, <laughs> which I'm like, I'm over here listing all of mine. So I'm like, okay, when anxiety's happening, okay. When my depression's hitting, okay. So <laughs> He communicates other things. Obviously he needs space if he's doing poorly or if he, you know, did poorly for a game or something, or he, he thinks he did poorly. Communicating those kind of things and what you expect and what you need from your partner is really important, especially when it comes to like situations where emotions are high or something like that. Another tip that I've learned, especially as Joe is gone for a few weeks and we're back to long distance, taking time for yourself is so freaking important because one, it allows you, you know, to miss your partner. If you're never away from them, you can't ever miss them, which I think is a really important part of a relationship. And it also just allows you to be yourself and figure out who you are without your partner. I feel like if you're with someone for a long time, even like for me, I was single for a long time before Joe. And then when I'm with him all the fucking time, you just kind of start melding together into like one, which is natural, I think. So I had to actively, you know, do things on my own. We take our work days almost separately. He's out of the house. I'm either at the house or, you know, working away at a coffee shop. I spend time with my friends separately. Joe spends time with his friends separately. Like we just try to make sure we're doing things for our own selves um, and we're not doing everything together, which is actually very helpful in a relationship though. It can be super easy to be like, okay, hop in. We're going to go do this and hop in. We're going to go do this. And let's, let's plan on doing like, it's easy to do everything together. I think taking time for yourself is really important. And with that, obviously spending time with friends and stuff, we talked about supporting his interest in his job. I do try to support his interest as well as his job. It is hard because I don't give a fuck about clash of clans and he loves it. And I have tried to watch him play it before. So sometimes I'll, I'll watch him play it. <laughs> this is so random. Um, but it, it's one of his interests. It's the way he like kind of gets out of his head a little bit and just kind of disconnects and decompresses is, you know, either like the clash of clans situation or like video games. He loves playing video games. One time I told him that video games are super unattractive and he took it so seriously and he has not played a video game in front of me since, which I'm like, he just asked me like why girls hate video games. And I was like, because it's not hot when you see your boyfriend, a full grown man, like yelling with his friends with a headset on about a fake war, you know, it's just like, and the things that they're saying, like they're so serious and you're just like, um, my vagina's kind of shriveling up. So I told him that once 
And he has not played video games with me or in front of me since. I'm like, I want you to be happy to play your video games. This is that's one of the things I noticed when I said he listens very actively. He will never forget that I said that, even though I've backtracked a million times. I've been like, okay, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I want you to be happy. I'm just telling you, I was answering honestly. I need to stop answering honestly. (laughs) But I try to like actually get him to play now, or I want him like for Clash of Clans, I'll like ask if I can play a little part of it, like a little, um, what are they? Little game. I don't know. They're clashing each other attack the other person's base. I don't know what you say, but anyways, I'm just pressing random buttons. I have no idea what's going on, but I know he appreciates me like actively trying to understand what he's doing, even outside of his job. I just stopped talking about it badly because I know it makes him so happy. Like I can't talk about video games badly. I don't think he's going to listen to this. I hope he doesn't. I try not to talk about video games badly in front of him because I know it makes him happy, even though it is a little shriveling to the vagina. Like it is not attractive, but I still want him to be happy. He doesn't need to be hot all the time. (laughs) Anyways, when I was growing up, my dad was a fighter pilot for the majority of my childhood. I lived on air force bases. I was, you know, my dad was in the middle East pre nine 11. And then after nine 11, he went to the middle East a couple times and he was in Balad and Iraq. And it was just a big part of my life, this whole military thing, and a very real part of my upbringing, my dad being in a war territory and flying like a sick plane as well. And just like kind of living the life that is on the video games. And it's super serious. Like it's very, it's devastating sometimes, obviously on all sides of a situation like that. And it's a very real situation that people live in. So when I'm watching grown ass men, yelling at each other about this video game about, um, I think it's Call of Duty they play, that Joe plays a lot. I'm just like scarred. <laughs> Cause I'm like, one, my dad is also a dork, right? He's like a fighter pilot. He was like a rocket scientist in college. His like majors, his major and his masters are both aerospace engineering and, aer- and aeronautical science. So he's just like a dorky dude who like flew the sickest fighter planes of all time. And he was incredibly good at it. So I, I picture my life growing up. And then I watch a full grown man like Joe, who's like double the size of my father (laughs) playing these fucking video games. And there's something about it. I'm just like, ew, like, ew, I don't like that at all. But it's the same thing. Like Joe doesn't play the major league baseball video game they have. I think he has actually a character on it. I don't know what it's called, but anyways, I'm like, that's just, it would be weird if you were around someone playing that and like getting really into it, you'd just be like, that's a little bit weird. That's kind of how I feel about Call of Duty. So I was trying to explain that to him that he took it so seriously. Here's the thing, I'm not wrong. (laughs) That's a very valid thing to think and a very valid like weirdness to have from my perspective. But anyways, I should have just like maybe kept that to myself. Okay, so lastly for me and my advice, and this is what I've noticed, which is kind of funny that I'm bringing this up in this podcast about being a better partner, is stop optimizing. If you're like me, I want to optimize every area of my life. I'm super serious about optimization. And that's just what I'm passionate about being perfect at literally everything. And I've noticed, like I was the person every time we'd sit down and have a free moment, I would pull out like the question cards and we'd have a conversation. I wanted everything to be meaningful and deep. And I wanted to learn things about Joe at every turn. Right. But if you, you're going to be with someone for a long time. You don't need to know everything about them right now. We don't need to discuss everything serious about our relationship right now. Cause what is there to talk about later? Like I was just approaching it so seriously, like a job 
opportunity almost. And I wanted to be perfect at it, which again is funny for me to bring up in a, an episode about kind of optimizing your skill set as a partner. But I think one way to do that, which is kind of a catch 22, is to stop optimizing. Just live. Just relax and live and enjoy each other's company. It's so simple. But sometimes I overlook that because I'm like, no, everything needs to be meaningful. Everything needs to be improving, you know? And, and again, I think to piggyback off of that, don't be in a rush. I think one great thing about Joe and I's relationship is we aren't in a rush. Like we have a general timeline that we already pre-agreed on before we started dating. I've talked about this before. I told him like mentally, I kind of have this timeline. I'm not stuck on it, but this is what I see for the next five years happening relationship wise that will coincide with my you know work wise and everything. So we're kind of on the same page already, which kind of makes me feel comfortable and like I don't need to rush really soothes my anxiety. But I think not rushing is really important. Not rushing moving in together, not rushing engagement or marriage or kids. Like you can be on your own timeline and putting pressure on yourself and your partner is only going to cause extra problems. I do think it's important to talk about timeline and be on the same page because it's really both of your choices. And I think the best thing you can do is to ensure that your timeline and someone else's timeline really match because then no one needs to rush. Everyone's kind of on the same page and we're all chilling and we're having a good time. Because I also realized too, like people ask me when Joe and I are going to get engaged all the time. And I'm like, I, I'm not in a rush. I do know that I, again, want to live with him for about a year. I just mentally thought that was probably a good time to see him at all seasons of life through baseball season, through spring training, through like the stress of the holidays and stuff like that. Like I want to see what he's like in every situation. And we only get this chance one time. We only get to have our first apartment together once. And then once we're engaged, we only get like our time that we're fiancés one time. So I want to relish in it. I want to relax into those times and really make some good memories in each chapter without having to rush forward to the next one. All right. So now I'm just going to rapid fire some advice that I got from you guys. Let's see. I feel like some of them I've already mentioned and kind of had down in my own notes, but I'm going to scroll through and, and see if I see anything that really sticks out to me. So the first one, which I also think is really important, is don't assume you know how the other person is feeling. I think it's super easy to do this. And I've, I'm definitely a person who's done this before. And Joe has definitely done it to me. And it's so frustrating when it's happening to you, how the, pers- the person like paints you in a picture and you're like, I actually like, don't feel that way at all. Okay. So I think this goes along with communicating and asking questions and, you know, leaving room for the fact that you don't really know, and you need to get curious about how they feel rather than just assuming how they feel. All right. Someone else said, and I know, um, this is a friend who is married. I think she has two children now. She said doing a weekly check-in is good go over schedules and how you're going to, how you're feeling going into the week. I think this is important in any relationship, especially if there's so many moving parts, if there are, you know, marriage, if there's children involved, I mean, this is obviously like logistically setting a weekly meeting is necessary because there's so many things going on. But I also think someone like a relationship like Joe and I can definitely benefit from this because I've heard this before having like a little weekly check-in and communicating like, Hey, this kind of made me a little bit off put or Hey, this, I really liked when you did this. I feel like having a weekly check-in, I saw a TikTok about it. This guy was like, my girlfriend and I haven't fought in like, Oh, in years because we just check in weekly and we talk about things really rationally and try to make each other feel seen and heard in a little weekly meeting and checking in is always really good. 
Ooh, a big one. Don't speak poorly about your significant other to your friends and family. This is how I noticed I really liked Joe is I didn't necessarily yap about him to friends and family. Like if we're in an argument, there are some friends that I'll turn to for advice that have been in relationships longer than me. But when I turn to them, I'm genuinely curious about how they handle situations. And I also know they will not tell a soul. And most importantly, I know that they won't ever think of Joe poorly because of the things that I'm telling them. So like, let's say Joe and I get in an argument and if I say, Hey, here's the basic synopsis. Like what have you, and I ask my friend Laurel this all the time, what have you and Josh done? Like, have you guys experienced this before? And she'll be like, yeah, of course. And then tell me, but I'm never like, and then he did this. And then I hate him. And what, and can you believe like, he's, oh, it, no, it's not really like that. It's definitely approached more logically and only to specific people. But I noticed that I loved him when I didn't, I felt the need to protect him more than uh, to talk bad about him and validate my own experience, you know? So I kind of started, I stopped sharing a lot internally about my relationship with my friends and my family, which, you know, in some relationships can be a, a detrimental thing to your life. But I know Joe loves me and is not manipulative and not, you know, trying to get me away from family and friends, not trying to ostracize me. So I felt comfortable kind of keeping those things to ourselves. And I think in a healthy relationship, this will keep it healthy and Make sure that you aren't embarrassing them or speaking poorly about them, whether it's to friends, family, or to the public. Okay, here's a good little bit of advice from my friend Laurel. She's married um, already, and she says there's you need to keep a good balance between high expectations and compassion. So your partner is a person, right? But you've chosen this partner because you think that they're amazing and they're great. And of course, you do expect things from them, especially, you know, you're a person, you love yourself, you want to be treated the right way. And if you're giving so much to a relationship, you expect that as well. Totally makes sense. But also people are people, people make mistakes, people have bad days. And I think, you know, you can only do so much and expect so much. So I think that balance is a really important thing to acknowledge. Okay. Another one says her therapist says, to use I feel statements. I do this. I think it kind of comes along with the not expecting what your partner is feeling or anything like that situation. I feel like I say, I mean, as women, I think that we say I feel a lot before (laughs) anything. I think it's just the way that we are um, and the way that society kind of makes us at the end of the day. But I taught Joe about I feel too, because I don't want him to, you know, if he comes at me without saying I feel or like, hey, you're being this or you're being that. Again, it's like an assumption. And I feel just like kind of lessens the blow of that and kind of the whole narrative shifts when you start something with I feel. So I think that's a really easy, tangible step. That's pretty obvious, I think, to most of us. But I thought it was a good idea to note that. Oh, this is a really good one that I need to learn. Number one. So when in an argument, think about if it's more important to be right or if it's more important to be happy. E, I feel called out. There's something about me. It's not even like, I've never really thought about it. It's me being right. I just want to acknowledge like the truth, right? So like if I see something that's completely blatantly untrue, I'm just like, that's just not true. And it frustrates me because I'm like, how can you believe this? It's not true. Like it's not, I don't need to be right. I could change my mind a million times when something else seems true. Or if I learn that something's untrue, I'm happy to change my mind and my opinions about things. But like, otherwise I'm just like, but it's just like factually not true. And I get so stressed (laughs) when things are false. But at this point, I just need to shut the fuck up. It doesn't matter if they think it's true. And I don't, and I know it's not, it's fine. It's fine. Just stop talking. (laughs) It's going to be okay. Because I'm also the one in the argument that comes with like the, I come with the timestamps. So I'm like at 
well, yesterday you said this and then you said this two days ago. And then last week you said this. So I'm just confused where I am genuinely trying to figure out what he's saying a lot of the time, but sometimes I could just stop talking and especially stop using timestamps because that's kind of aggressive. (laughs) It's just the way I naturally am again, type a (laughs) we're very logical. It's also very Capricorn of me. I should have also said that from the beginning. If you guys are a horoscope person, I am a Capricorn. I have what they call, I learned a stellium, I think. So I have six placements in Capricorn, which is just like beyond logical. It makes a lot of sense. I'm also on the Myers-Briggs thing and INTJ, which is just also incredibly logical. Those two things go together really well. So clearly, again, logic is important to me. And when things are illogical, I'm like, It's just not true. Okay. And then Joe's over there like hiding. So I needed to stop doing that. (laughs) So again, don't be right. Don't worry about truth. Though it is important. Sometimes you just need to stop talking. Oh, this is a good one. Even when you don't agree or understand, you need to validate their feelings and their opinions. Of course, if you love and respect your partner, you do want them to feel validated and you do want them to feel respected. So that's also where trust comes in where like, I know I trust that you have the best intentions. I maybe don't understand the situation that well. And it's a hard balance to strike there, but I do really trust Joe. So I'm like, okay, well, I know that you're not a bad guy. I know you don't have bad intentions. So I'm going to, I feel comfortable hundred percent. And I love you obviously. And when you feel validated, I feel comfortable, you know, validating your opinions and your feelings, even if I don't agree. I'm also talking a lot about agreements and arguments. We really don't fight or argue that much. We have definitely been presented with new situations as we've moved in together. And that was a completely new like thing. But I do, I feel like a lot of these tips for relationships are learned from having arguments. So I feel like I learn like 20 things whenever we argue about what to do and what not to do. So that's why I always keep referencing arguments in this. Oh, this is sweet. And it's actually so simple. Encouragement encouraging your partner is so important and showing them that you're confident in them. It's kind of in the same vein of supporting their job or their interests. But I think that encouraging specifically is a little different because it makes you have to actively push them a little bit and be like, you know, you can do it, give them some major words of affirmation. I always like to hype Joe up to himself because really the reason I fell in love with Joe and the reason he caught my attention was he's really attractive and everything. And I'm not going to say obviously that he's not, but he is so intelligent and super witty and quick and smart. And when I say things, he understands them. Sometimes when I talk, I speak like a mad scientist and I have to learn to communicate better and more clearly because I just see connections places that I feel like other people, it's not so obvious sometimes. And so when I talk, I'm in a million different places at once. And sometimes people are like, what the fuck are you talking about now? (laughs) And Joe does that sometimes, but he actually has always kept up and always done it almost like himself back to me, which we're just kind of speaking on the same plane. I think our, our brains just work similarly. So because I think he's so smart, I'm always encouraging him to do things with his brain, which I think a lot of the times professional athletes don't necessarily get that kind of encouragement. And I can see visually him like light up about it. I think it's really cute. So encouraging them to chase after their dreams or to, you know, take a risk maybe when it comes to work or to, um, do something new. I think that's super cute and just like so pure in relationships. And sometimes I feel it kind of goes undone because you don't really think about it enough. Ooh, compromise is a big one. It's not all about you. It's about you guys together. And sometimes you need to compromise and pick your battles. That's another thing that is written down here a lot is, um, 
kind of goes along again with the, is it, do you need to be right or do you want to be happy kind of thing? I think this was worded a a really good way. I think we've already discussed this kind of, but um, give them enough space to be honest and also to trust them. I think obviously trusting again on so many, in so many different ways is so important for relationships. So um, giving them the space and allowing them to feel comfortable being honest and speaking their truth. I think men, sometimes if you're dealing with a man, don't feel super comfortable communicating or being honest with you or being vulnerable. So I think creating a space is really important for that. I know I'm also that way. I don't feel, um, I can be vulnerable quote unquote on a mic because I'm not sitting here talking to someone, um, directly, but being vulnerable with Joe was really difficult for me. And it still is sometimes. So it's really important to me that he gives me the space to be vulnerable and also shows me all the time that I can trust him with those feelings and um, those thoughts. Ooh, this is a good one. This says face any difficulty and try to fix it when you can. So instead of putting things off like miscommunications or problems or anything like that, try to talk through it. Obviously not immediately. We discussed you can't talk through things in an emotional way. It's just not very helpful, but try to fix it and talk about it and acknowledge it when you can and when you rationally can, because when you let things loom and linger, you just start getting feeling resentment, I think. And I've had this in past, not only just like relationship relationships, but like our romantic relationships. I've had it in friendships and family relationships, like letting things loom rather than just talking about them directly is so detrimental. So I think it's important to note that like, just don't let things kind of like happen. I feel like you communication in that, at that point is really important. The way this is worded is perfect. I think we already discussed this, but it says, assume the best in him and lead conversations and arguments with that attitude. Kind of like we talked about before, expecting or um, assuming the best is so important. And then a very simple one that I've been doing lately, especially because we're away from each other, is sending thinking of you text or random love you text or appreciate you text is really, really important. Another one for women, I think sometimes it's easy because I feel in my experience, men oftentimes are the one to initiate sex more. And um, this person also says initiating sex is such a big part of a relationship. I feel like men, if you're, oh, you know, a woman in a relationship with man, as am I, initiating sex is just huge to them sometimes. And I think that, you know, for me, I kind of just, I know Joe's going to initiate. So I'm just like, okay, like whenever he initiates, it's fine. But I need to do that more. Honestly, I need to work on that. And then lastly, just like a lot about listening and listening to understand, not to respond. Again, another way to frame that in my head to where I can understand it better is, is saying it like that, listen to understand and not to respond. All right. So I really only have one question um, or time for one question because this is running a little bit longer than I thought. So we're going to do that. And then so in the next couple of weeks, I'm just going to do an advice column episode. I kind of want to do that once a month. I feel like that would be kind of fun and more interactive. And I, I can kind of understand what you guys are wanting a little bit more. So if you guys want to email me similar to this week, if you did email me, my email is peytonsartan at gmail.com. I'll put that in the show notes and you guys can email me with in the subject line, put ask P and then you can ask your questions. You can give like a backstory if you want, and I will discuss them on the advice column episode. All right. So this girl has a question. She actually DM'd me this question. And then um, she just screenshotted it and sent me the email. So she says, so Hannah says, 
I dated my boyfriend for a year and a half now. We're serious and we talk about marriage. I'm not tied to my job here in Boston. I've grown out of it, have been looking for something new and have some leads. My boyfriend just matched into a resident program at a hospital in Philly. Oh my God, huge deal. And he wants me to come with him this summer. I'm totally game, mainly because it would be closer to my family and friends who are in New York, but also because I want to change. I'm going to start building a life with him separate from our roots. We both went to school here in Boston. Anyway, I'm having trouble reconciling the fact that I'm sort of, quote, following him to the city. It's my decision to do so, but I'm not in the habit of making a life change around someone else's agenda. I want to be sure that if I go, I don't lose sight of my own goals and life vision. I never imagined myself in Philly. And I wondered if you had some some general advice for doing this, since Joe's job takes you to places too, and you have a little experience, quote, following him. Though I know it's completely different, I thought you'd have a good take on the situation. So she also says in the email, how can I be a good partner to my boyfriend in my case by going with him to Philly for his medical residency without centering him and his goals only in the relationship? So she said it makes her want to be a good partner, but still be mindful of her own aspirations. So I think this is super relevant to my life. Thank you for asking this question, Hannah. I have been trying to navigate this as well because Obviously, with my job, I can go kind of anywhere. And it sounds like you're in a similar position where you're kind of looking for something new and it's kind of just a new adventure, which I absolutely commend. You kind of sound like you're like me, very similar, like just looking for an adventure, totally down to like do something new, which I really appreciate. And it's no wonder, like it, it's kind of like one of those things where obviously your boyfriend is doing something amazing and that kind of person kind of needs someone like you or I, who's just like down to go and make things work on our end. And I'm super okay with supporting him and making, you know, his job the reason why we live somewhere. But that doesn't necessarily need to mean that his job and his wants and his desires are the most important. All that's doing is just his job. He needs to be somewhere for that. So you're being flexible on your end. So go into it like that. Number one, it's not for him. It's for your relationship, but you don't specifically have a place you need to be right now. And he does. So it makes it obvious where you guys are going to live right together. That's how I look at it with Joe. I also think for my job, it's kind of a good thing to be moving around a little bit. It keeps things fresh and interesting and it keeps me pretty inspired. So I look at it in that light rather than me moving for him. I'm moving for us. And that's what it takes to, you know, have a healthy relationship for us right now. At some point, you know, maybe I want to live somewhere later and we move for me. I mean, we moved to Dallas in the off season because that was my choice. And Joe is very good about balancing things. So I think beyond reframing it in your head, I think the second thing to do is to have a really clear talk with your partner about how he can show up for you in ways that make you feel important and make you feel like, you know, he's doing things for you as well, because you are kind of doing this thing where you, you have it framed in your mind, like you're following him, though. It's not really like that. You're kind of just making the best of a situation make sure to communicate properly. Like, Hey, this makes me feel really special. This makes me feel loved. Or this makes me feel important as we are, you know, moving for your job and, um, starting to base a lot of our day-to-day life around your job and your experience. Here's how you can show up for me. I think that's been really important for Joe and I, and Joe has done an incredible job at making sure like if he has nights off or if he has a day off, like instead of spending it in bed, like he probably wants to, cause he's so tired, he makes it a point to plan a day date for us or allow me to plan a date for us and like really actively engage in our lives together when he does get that very rare time off. And then secondly, your boyfriend's probably gonna be working all the time. I know that schedule is so rigorous. So you're gonna be able to create your own life 
outside of the relationship so easily because I assume you have a lot of free time. I experienced this, especially during the season. Joe is gone. They have to go up to the field for workouts early to get all the workouts done, their rehab done, and everything before each game. And there's a game like every day. So they're lifting, they're throwing, they're having batting practice, they're um, shagging batting practice. Joe's, you know, pitching, he's working out, he's lifting, he's going in for rehab, they're eating, they're showering, like all that stuff happens before the game. So that you know, a lot of them show up. I think the clubhouse opens like five hours before the game starts. They go up there, they do everything they need to do, and then they go to the game after and sit through that. So that being said, and games are what, three hours long? So I have a lot of fucking time. And I only go to the games Joe plays in really, which is like once every week. So, and I also don't, you know, this year I don't plan to travel with him a lot. So he'll be out of the town and stuff. So listen, you and I, we've got a lot of free time. And plenty of free time with which to build our lives. If you're going to be closer to your family, head over to uh, New York for a little while. That's what I'm doing, actually. When I'm in D.C., when Joe's gone, I'm going immediately to New York. So that's why I'm telling you to do that. I'm going to make little trips for myself. I'm going to make sure I'm engaging with my friends, coming back to see my family. It's super easy. We have so much time. Like It's kind of an excuse for you all to be away from each other. And I think it's going to be really, really easy for you to build your own life outside of him even though on the surface it feels like you're you're kind of following him because you aren't. You're about to have your whole new life in this whole area and some new adventures without him because obviously he's going to be working and doing stuff and you're going to be living a fun life. You might have more of a life there than he does. So congratulations, though. I think it's going to be a wonderful life move and moving in together is definitely not easy, but it's been super worth it for us and it's definitely taken our relationship to a whole new level. And with that... I'm going to end today's episode mostly because I need to go to the gyno in about 20 minutes. So thank you guys so much for sending in your questions. Again, I'm going to keep some of the questions y'all asked in mind for the advice P or, whoa, let me say that for the ask P episode that will be coming out, I think in like two weeks, I kind of want to do a little series of solo episodes. So I think next week we're going to touch on some more motivation tips that I was able to think more through after the last episode on motivation. So um, if you guys haven't heard that episode, definitely go listen to that in preparation for next week. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you heard some like tangible tips that you didn't know. I know many of you who are listening, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, it's so obvious, but sometimes I think when things are so obvious, they need to be said even more because you just like don't pay attention to when someone says, or you like know them, but you almost need someone to remind you. So I hope y'all got anything from this episode. And again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for rating and reviewing. I would really appreciate if you guys could review in the Apple store, if you get a couple seconds. Um, I always really love those and it brings a little tear to my eye when I see people enjoying the show. Um, you can also rate on iTunes and you can, uh, or Apple podcasts and you can rate on Spotify now. So any time you can take to do that, I really, really appreciate it. You guys can find note to self on Instagram and on TikTok, all linked in the show notes, as well as my personal accounts. I will also link. And I also keep my Amazon shop linked in there and my Revolve favorites linked in there. So you guys can see what I'm shopping, what I'm wearing, what I'm buying, what I'm getting for my house, etc. Anyways, can't say thank you enough. I've said it a million times. You get it. Thank y'all. <laughs> and I will talk to you guys next week.